Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome back to Game Store Profits, episode 84. This is a show where geeks get together to talk about God, and God followers get together to talk about geeky things. Board games, mostly, but sometimes other stuff, too. My name's Luke Navarro. Yar, and my name be Mike Perna. It's Talk Like a Pirate Day, isn't it? It is Talk Like a Pirate Day, Luke. It's so very much Talk Like a Pirate Day. It's my favorite I day Should we be year. doing this entire episode in the pirate speak? No, for that will be absolutely terrible. Let's not do that. Not to mention a bit painful. I will say, though, I have already... Like, we haven't even started with the actual full sessions of role-playing in in our D&D 5e game. But I already have people asking me to make sure that I do the broken Scottish dwarven brogue. Okay, so... I've got to tell you something here. When I saw this video come up, so folks, if you don't know, we are doing a D&D 5th edition live play with the Inroads Ministries executive staff. So, now here's the thing, Mike. I have been doing podcasts for, I think, eight years. Yeah. Yeah, because we, okay. we've been doing it for over three. And right, I did... I did... Uh, uh, guys can read for about three years prior to that, and I did a podcast called Portable Faith for about two years before that. So, you know, eight, nine, somewhere in there. Long time to be talking to the internet by myself. True. Right? Um, sitting in a room in my house talking to myself and recording it. I've never been online on video. I know. It was a momentous occasion when we got to see you. And the fact that I'm online, albeit a tiny little square in the corner of the video, kind of weirds me out just a little bit. Like, somehow my internet anonymity has has been removed. <laughs> like, I've become a real person now on the internet. You're a real boy. <laughs> so, uh, so, folks, if you haven't had the chance yet, go and check that out. I don't remember what the name of the channel and all that kind of stuff. We're working on the details. Just go to the tavern, go to Inroads, go to GameStorm. You'll find it. Okay, we, we've got uh, links all over the place now. Right. Uh, so our first episode, uh, episode, is that what we're session. Uh, it was character creation. Actually, we didn't even get all the way through character creation because, so, as is as is the case in a lot of the old school gaming as well as this, there's a lot of front end work. There it, is. Character creation is a big thing. As it stands, the first session the first session was about an hour long. <laughs> yeah, but we, we got our stats. We got a lot of the basic stuff. Now it's just about getting our equipment ready, uh, our spells ready, those kind of things. We, we've got all of our decisions made for the most part. Uh, so we'll see what happens in the next episode, whether we just finish character creation or whether we actually get gaming. Um, we're just kind of playing it by ear. We have time uh, set aside to do these episodes and so you know we want to respect everybody's time and try to keep it in that uh, but there you go you can watch us play D&D &D. and the cool and thing the cool thing worked. about the, the cool thing about this and and I've been thinking about it a lot is we were going to do it anyway just to demonstrate 5e because that's part of this is just to demonstrate what the system can do for a bunch of us who were wondering if going back to D&D &D was even worth it so we wanted to demonstrate that. And I, I kind of came up with an, a, uh, another reason, like a background reason why we were going to do this, especially as us. Because there are a lot of people talking about 5e and demonstrating 5e. I will say the, the Dawnforged cast guys are kicking it when it comes to Let's Plays and all that stuff. So the reason that we got into this and why we wanted to add our voice to the YouTubes and, and to show you guys us playing is because we have a unique audience experience because, as we've often mentioned, you and I both, Luke, have had fairly recent exposure to people saying, doesn't D&D &D lead to demon worship? As in continual exposure. Right. Yeah. And uh, we wanted to give you guys an opportunity that if you are that person who wonders if, if gaming is a dangerous kind of thing, we wanted to show you what a session looks like. If you're yeah, a, if you're a gamer who has somebody in their life who is is giving you a hard time about the fact that you want to play these games and, and not is is less than willing to be 
privy to these sort of things, you can show them these videos and say, hey, man, this is what it's like. This is what this is. And I think, uh, so our DM for this is a guy named Jeff Romo. He is, he basically runs the administration for uh, inroads. He makes sure everything happens and we're all on task and that kind of stuff. But as those of you who have listened to the show know, he's an awesome DM. He's a fantastic GM. I've been playing with him on our play-by-post, and man, he is just killing it. He is just wonderful. And so uh, you're also going to get to see four really, you know, strong believers playing D&D. You know, we've talked about this for years, mm-hmm. and we talk about how... This is important to us, and all, but now you're going to just see it happen, um, and we are too, for that matter. Uh, you know, we're recording it, so well, not only know, are we recording it, it as, as much as we all play, except for Basha, who this is new, and that in and of itself is a wonderful thing that we're going to show you cool as well. Yeah, what it's like to get into this, but as as long as we've been, I mean, we've been doing this for years, but we've never played in a game together. We've never done role playing together. No, we've the closest we've played a couple of video games against each other. Right, but that's about it. Um, and so, yeah, this is I think going to be a really uh, fun experience. We're going to get together and play tomorrow night as we're recording. So uh, that'll be out. You know what, folks? I don't know. This is all very confusing in the brain. I, clearly, <laughs> I'm not the guy who's in charge of when things happen. So Je- Jeff did uh, a wonderful gonna... job. Jeff did a wonderful job of putting out the last video. I don't give him too hard a time because we're all kind of stressed and kind of busy, but presumably if we record tomorrow, probably right around the same time that this episode happens. Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, Give or take. And you know what? I was – look, we had no idea whether the technology was going to work for all of us to be on video and playing on this online tool together and all that. And it's working out okay so far. We haven't really gotten too deep into it, but it's working. And that's awesome. Yeah. We're... And it records and everything, and theoretically it streams, and I, it's amazing. <laughs> Science! Right. So, we are going to be doing that tomorrow, but Mike, what have you been doing in t- before tomorrow? Well, I well, I can start off by saying I actually got to play in a one-off 5e game. Not ours. Another game outside of this. All right, so you're the first one with experience. Yes, and what sounded wrong? What's particular? What's particularly interesting is, guess what kind of character I was playing. I'm gonna go with a dwarf. Uh huh. A uh, bard. No, I was uh, playing a dwarf cleric. Cleric. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. Now, uh, what what happened was was that. I have, you know, as is oft mentioned... My next guest was Minotaur Ninja, by the way. I want to play that now. That Can that be a thing? I oh, want it's that, totally a thing. I want that to be a thing. Wow, I just... I, I need a moment just to get my head straight from Minotaur Ninja. But... Uh, <laughs> I will say that what happened was is that, that the oft-mentioned group that I've been playing with pretty much for, wow, a number of years now... Uh, we've been playing 4th edition, much to my chagrin, but right as we were about ready to do our next session, we realized that when Wizards of the Coast redid its website, it hid all the 4E stuff. They have gone whole hog in with 5th edition, and so the character builder, the the tools, they're still there, but we didn't know it at the time. We have si- We have since found out where they're hiding it, but it doesn't matter at this point because we had so much fun with 5th edition. Uh, one of the guys that we play with has been doing the encounters, the kind of the playtest in stores. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so in light of the fact that we couldn't get to our 4th edition information, we just kind of audibled and said, hey man, can you run an encounter? Like, we don't need a lot of roleplay. We're not... We're, they're just going to be throwaway pre-gen characters. But can you lead an encounter? And he said, absolutely. So... We rolled up and did a a standard encounter in D anD D five e, and it was everything I'd hoped it would be. <laughs> awesome. So we talked a lot about the 
sort of philosophical differences between fourth and fifth. Right. Uh, and my guess is you're gonna you're telling us that the what we expected the philosophical type differences to be will play them have played themselves out in your experience. Well, we were playing an encounter, which if you've never been to the encounters, there there's a little bit of role playing, but primarily there. Here's quest A, go to place B, kill things C. Yeah, it's a it's basically a ready-made adventure. It's designed to be kind of plug and play for people who wander into a store. They don't necessarily have to be, you know, part of the group that was previously doing this. It's 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 essentially an elaborate demo. Right. It that's ex- that is the best way I could think of to de- to describe what these things are. So I couldn't really call it a road test because there's lots of stuff that's going to happen that we just didn't get into based on the nature of this game. However, I will say that the combat, like when we were playing fourth edition, the combat would basically, we'd get through maybe two encounters in a sitting. Right. And only, and that was even because we, we usually end up playing roughly between five and six hours. Right. So for folks who don't know, 4th edition, uh, the actual gameplay mechanics were a little bit more akin to a war game. Right. Uh, not not nearly as fully fleshed out as a war game, but a little bit more in that direction. Right. And on, on the other hand, this encounter, in the, in the same... We actually kind of had a shortened period because we had one guy show up late and I had to leave early... Because uh, my wife needed me to get back home because we were having people over later that night. So we even had a, a squished kind of experience where the beginning and end were chopped off. And we still got like four or five different fights in, in a shorter period of time. Okay, so it's more streamlined. Which, yeah, I mean, I guess we knew that, but but it wasn't something we were focusing on. Yeah, and it wasn't like we were rushing to to make time. That's just how they went. Uh, combat is a lot more lethal because okay. when you because you got to realize you're not doing fourth edition damage. You're not going to do like twenty six damage. You know, you're going to be like like six damage, five damage, four damage. However, the hit points are are right in line with that. Right. So when you're hitting a guy for eight damage, he's probably going to go down. And likewise, when you get a hit for like eight damage, you might go down. And I'll tell you what, as a guy who's now rolled a cleric with us and played a, cl- a cleric in this game, the heal spells are level one spells. I oh. only I only get to do them no twice. Cantrips? There's no healing cantrip. Oh, that's gnarly! Might as well just carry around healing potions. It's exactly <laughs> what you have to do. I'm telling you right now, this uh, this is old school at its finest. Early levels, be careful. You're gonna die. Be is that careful basically what you're it's saying? Gonna, yeah, it's gonna hurt. You're gonna die. It's gonna hurt. So the one mechanic that uh, is kind of new to D and Really, to me, was the only thing that stood out when I read the rules was the concept of advantage and disadvantage. Which is fantastic. Okay, so did you actually get to experience that at any point, and how'd that work out? Consistently. Uh, part okay. of the reason we did that was because we had a rogue in our party. Aha, sneaky, get behind. And our particularly sneaky rogue uh, had something that said that he got combat advantage just by standing next to his buddy. So he pretty much had combat advantage every time he attacked somebody. So for those who haven't read the rules, uh, generally when you're playing D&D, you're rolling a 20-sided dice to hit a target number. That target number depends, of course, on your abilities and the enemy's abilities. Um, What advantage gives you is the ability to roll two D20s and take the higher. Disadvantage is the opposite. You roll two D20s and take the lower. Right. And so our guy was basically rolling advantage all the time. And it was great because it was it was just a lot of fun. And it, it made sense. It 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 just made sense. I loved it. It was it, it let him feel kind of powerful to be able to roll both those die and to, to even ha- to double his chance at a crit. 
You know, it it was just it felt good, and really that's that's a lot of what I've been missing lately. Because I I don't care about the number of dice you throw. I did bring my whomping bag o dice to this, which is the first time that's seen the light of day in a while. Because you kind of need to, because whenever you have advantage, it's like, oh, okay, I'm going to roll two of these. Or uh, the way crits work now, instead of just doing max damage, you basically roll your damage, you double your damage dice. I like that. Right. Which was particularly insane, because at one point we had a guy who was rolling uh, something like, like 2d6s normally, and he crit... So he was rolling four d sixes. So needless to say, that guy died. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, yeah. I normally it because playing in fourth edition combat drained me. I didn't want to get in fights because it was just so annoying. Because I didn't want to. I didn't want to care about where my guy was and and how many squares I can move him and. We it's to the point where we even talked about as a group that contains a lot of people who only have 4E as their guidelines. They never played other D&D. 4E was their thing. And these guys are saying, "Dude, we can go mapless? That would be awesome. Can we do that?" I don't understand why we need maps. You okay? don't. You, you only need maps as a handout every now and again to kind of tell you where you are. I would You don't need to put little cre- you don't little, need to put little men on a map. To play a role playing game. I, the only reason I would say that you that they would be nice is just to be able to keep track of who's attacking who. And again, yeah, if you're playing with a bunch of players, and again, okay. it's not required. It's just it just it's nice to keep track of things, but it's not required. You can go mapless with no problem whatsoever. And man, I yeah, I'm super I'm super excited for session two. I, I love the fact that I'm going to be playing. I have, to, In fact, probably after we're done, if I'm still conscious, because it's a Friday night and why not, um, I might start rolling up my guy for our my outside. So you're, you're converting him over, essentially? I'm not even converting. I, I'm basically going to create... I don't know who I'm going to create yet. Oh. I, want, I still want to play a dwarf, because it's been a while since I played a dwarf. I've gotten, I've gotten long in the tooth. Nobody believes you. I've gotten long in the tooth playing a human. Thomas is Thomas was a human. He was, I mean, he was fun to play, but he was a human. Didn't you play a dragonborn before that? Yes, I played a dragonborn before that. So, I, I kind of want to get back to dwarf, but I don't know what I'm going to play yet. And because because we have a fairly decent sized group, and because of the nature of five E, I don't feel locked into any kind of any kind of class. I could play a cleric, but why would I? I'm already doing it twice. Uh, <laughs> I I can play anything I want because there is you know, that's something we haven't ta- discussed. What did the cl- what classes get added in the player's handbook? The classes that get that get added. Let me. If you give me just a moment, I will flip through. All right, the classes that are added: barbarian, bard, druid, awesome. monk. Paladin, Ranger, and which which of the mages was put in the basic? Wizard. Wizard. So Sorcerer and Warlock are okay. added. Okay, so that's pretty thorough. Oh yeah. In terms of the base the base classes. And while we're asking And I like that the old school base classes, the barbarian and the monk are in there. while we're asking, if you want to know what races are added uh, you add the Dragonborn, the Gnome, the Half-Elf, the Half-Orc, and the Tiefling. Okay. I kind of don't care about that as much. Like, I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> you know, how often do you play a Tiefling? I've never played a Tiefling. <laughs> I've played Tieflings before. Man, they are fun. I don't but know anything about them in 5e. Awesome. So You're biased. I, I, love, I love me some Gnomes. <laughs> Uh, Alright, so that's uh, that's the D&D talk for the week. Did you play any board games this week? I did. Uh, I did get to play more Doomtown. Okay. I'm excited because... Now, last time we talked about Doomtown, it was, this is awesome, but kind of crazy. Literally, like, two days after we recorded the last episode, my buddy's like, 
hey man, my Doomtown box came in, you want to play? <laughs> and I said, yes. I said, yes, I did. And that means that at some point I'm going to be... I, I haven't gotten into it much yet, but I can't wait to start digging deep into deck construction because I want to make magical clowns, dang it. Okay. <laughs> no, the, I, I kind of hinted at last time. One of the factions is called the Fourth Ring. The fourth. Oh, right, right, right. The Fourth Ring are circus folk who do magic, and man, that just sounds yeah, spectacular. That's horrifying. <laughs> you should see some of these cards. You're not wrong. Horrifying. I will say without a doubt, circus is the creepiest genre. Period. As a guy who, on a couple different occasions, have written stories based around circuses, and in fact, the last time I ran a game, which was a Victoriana game, uh, some significant NPCs were in a local carnival. I love writing characters in circuses. Climpy music scares me. (laughs) The merry-go-round broke down, dude. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so I've, uh, I've played more Doomtown, but we don't need to go too much into that because I yeah, haven't. Let's, let's wait a couple more episodes because eventually you're going to really know what yeah. Doomtown's about. I will. I will say about. that for those of you who might be, be playing the home game, as it were, uh, I have completely gotten over my initial rule shock of Doomtown after playing a handful of games. I'm very comfortable with the rule set now. There are some little fiddly bits that I'm still worried about. But by and large, I can play a game completely comfortable now, and uh, so yeah. So it's well, it's, good. it's good to know, right? Uh, I also an open question, right? I also got to play another game that I got at Gen Con, which is Abyss, which is fantastic. It's a very sim- It's exactly what I I wanted it to be. It's a simple game uh, with a lot of. This deep- is the one with the creepy box. With the creepy box that stares into your soul, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> but uh, the the short version of Abyss, I, I think we've said it before, but I'll, so I'll just give the, the touchstone on it. The, the Lord of the Abyss, the Underwater Kingdom, has died, and you, as one of the, you know, sub-lords of the Abyss, are trying to jockey for position in the royal court. You want to be the next ruler. So you are trying to get lords onto your side, but you can't just walk up and say, hey, be on my side. So you have to go through a series of actions where you are recruiting allies, you are beseeching the council, and then you are using these little allies to recruit these lords to your side and trying to get the most influence to become the Lord of the Abyss. I will say that I played this with a couple friends of mine and my wife. My wife being an avid not gamer. And <laughs> and and my wife actually ended up winning. She okay. ended up tying with my buddy Kevin, who by just to give you an idea of Kevin's gamer level, Kevin is the one that I play Doomtown with. The guy who I just said, my buddy said, Hey, I got my box. This is the gentleman who that ref that refers to so she whooped on me she beat kevin so this is this is just to prove that this game is so simple that a person who doesn't really like games that much had the ability to take down us so that that gives you a little bit of a a heads up as to how how basic the concept is all right yeah because as you described it it did not sound like it was going to be basic no, it it really the part of that is because I was speaking thematically. Okay. And thematically it sounds very complex. It really isn't because basically it's if you want to do this action you flip over cards and you either buy that card or don't. That's it. And then you okay. use the use the cards that you discover that way to recruit the bigger cards with the more points, and it it's really not that complicated. It only took a handful of minutes to really get down, because pretty much you're doing one of three actions. Uh, 
explore the depths is basically you keep flipping over cards and the other players get the ability to to buy those cards from you using pearls, which is the economy of this game. Okay. They can either choose to buy them or not, and if it gets all the way to the end, you are required to pick up that card, you move on with your life. The other action is, is that as you're recruiting those little allies, you're going to have extras, because either it gets all the way to the end of the board, or, you know, maybe it's like the fourth or fifth card. There's going to be these extras that are just sitting there. They all go to what's called the council, and each color card gets placed in its particular spot on the council. Uh, requesting the council basically says you take one of the stacks of those leftover cards. So you get all the blue cards that are left over. You get all of them. Uh, which is really great later in the game when you've had like a run on yellow at, or a run on you know name color here and you're looking to recruit one of the lords that's that color, you can just pick up a whole stack of them, no problem. Right. And then the the third option is to use your little allies that you've gotten uh, to recruit these lords. And this is is really where it comes down to, to, to guiding your decisions, as it were. Because the lords can... They break down to the kind of allies they need to be recruited. So... There are some of them that only okay. require one type of ally. And it, it must be, like, all the cards that you use to recruit them must be from the same faction. They must all be the red, which are the crabs, the soldiers. Or they must all be, whatever, the yellow, the farmers. There are some that, uh, you, some of the, the points you need to recruit them is from that color, plus an additional ally color. So, it's you basically need two separate colors to recruit that or three yeah. or four and the the biggest baddest craziest lords are the ones that require at least one card from every faction now the theme of this game seems a little weird to me just you know but it's creative it's interesting it's different okay um but this sounds like the kind of game that I like let me let me that kind of describe how I'm hearing you and maybe you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. Okay. This sounds like the kind of game where the table state determines a lot of your choices. Oh yeah. See, I really enjoy that. Um, you know, we can kind of break down games into two broad categories. Um, there are games where they are very strategic and then there are games that are very tactical. And you might say those are synonyms. What are you talking about? Well, in my mind, they're not. In my mind, strategy is big thinking. Okay, what's your plan going to be for the entire game? And there are games where you make that decision at the beginning of the game and you play out that decision for the rest of the game. And then there's tactics. And tactics are how do you respond to the situation that you were given? That guy, moved, of course that guy moved here. How do I deal with that? Right. And of course, your, your tactics should should echo your strategy, but uh, a lot of games, the kind of games that I like are the more tactical games where you are rapidly responding to changes in table state. You know, I've often said that my what I believe to be the best game ever made is Ticket to Ride, and everybody goes, well, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> it's a simple game. But Ticket to Ride is a highly tactical game where every single time a person takes a card or puts down a track, the table state changes and you have to adjust. Well, I, I will tell you that, that we definitely that. we definitely saw that in our game of Abyss because there were times when I'm like, all right, I need to get this Lord right here because he has this special ability that I really need to, to kind of get back into this game. And I, I just watched as somebody else grabbed all of the red cards. I'm like, crap, I needed those. And I knew that he was going for the same lord that I did, and right. he ended up getting to it first, which meant I had to completely revamp my strategy, because all the cards in my hand were there to get that guy, and that guy right. isn't there anymore. Yeah, see, I, that sounds like the kind of game I would enjoy. Oh, it's, it's a ton of fun. Even though it's about fishmen. It, but it's done by Asmodee. It's so gorgeous, man. It really <laughs> is. 
So awesome. what what have, what else have you been playing? You've been talking about strategy and tactics and the games that you've been playing. Well, what have you been playing? You know, mostly I have been playing Puppy. <laughs> and, uh, so that, I know that's that game. Me, I know that game well. Uh, that's kept me pretty busy. Lots of tactics in that one. A little bit of strategy. Um, but uh, I did play two games this week that I thought were interesting, and we'd talk about them on, on the show here. Uh, the first is called The Art of War, which... I don't know how appropriate is that. We're talking about strategy and tactics. Right. You know, let's bring in Sun Tzu. Um, it's actually a game by Reiner Knizia, uh, and it is, in fact, a reskin of a game called Risk Express. Okay. I've okay, never... so we all know what Risk, Risk is, but just, uh, just take that out of your brain, because that's just a random bit of information. That it used, it's also Risk Express, but uh, very simple 15 minute game. It's a filler game um, where you've got uh, their fortresses, and there are each fortress is represented by a card. Uh, there are a couple of different color sets of fortresses, and if you get the whole set, you can uh, you get some bonus points. Uh, but basically, think of the mechanic for Elder Sign where you are rolling dice trying to match certain combinations. Uh, you can play one combination each turn, each time you roll the dice. If you can't play one, you have to remove a die. Uh, actually, this came before Elder Sign, so Elder Sign probably stole it from this, but it's exactly like Elder Sign. Um, except that there's no hit points, there's no life, there's no sanity, none of that. There's no uh, doom. It's just you're trying to get the points on the card and whoever has the most points once all of the fortresses are taken is over. Um, so really it comes down to you're rolling dice, looking at what you got on the dice and making tactical decisions about where you're going to put those dice and try to get a, um, a fortress. It's a really simple game. There's a lot of luck in this game. But for a 15-minute filler between real games, so to speak, uh, it's fun, and it's like 12 bucks. so I'd say, yeah, absolutely. It sounds like the kind of weight like, like a game like Coup is. Like, it's yeah. not hardcore, it's not going to bur- you know burn your brain. You just play it for a little bit just to kind of either warm okay, up or so, fill. So now, what's happened lately is a lot of these filler games have become social games. Okay? Coup, Resistance, Avalon. Right, it uh, relies on stuff like the bluffing mechanics and stuff right. like that. Right, and your ability to read people, uh, werewolf, and all of this. Okay? This is more of a game where it fills the same niche, but it's more gamey. Where you've got a game mechanic and you're rolling dice, and so if you're not into that whole, like, I have to look at this person and decide whether they're lying or not, you just want to roll dice and make decisions, this would be better. So this is the filler game between, like, Warhammer 40k games. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That that works perfectly, yeah. if Basically, if you like throwing a bucket of dice, you'll like this game. Okay. Uh, so the second game I got to play... Uh, is a new game um, called Imperial Settlers. Now I uh, have same... I have heard nothing but good things about this. Lots of people are talking about Imperial it. It was Settlers. it was one of the Gen Con darlings, right? Right. Um, it's by the same guy who did Robinson Crusoe, which uh, we've talked about on the show before. And so here's the idea: you, there are four factions in the game: uh, Japanese, Egyptians, uh, barbarians, and Romans. It's a card game, and you are building your civilization. Uh, each faction gets uh, a deck that is specific to them, and then there is a core deck that everybody is going to draw from. Basically, the game uh, is got a drafting stage. It's a two-stage draft. Uh, first player to last player, last player to first player, where you're drafting from that core deck. So everybody's drafting the same buildings. Uh, and then you, you get uh, cards from your... Uh, your deck based on uh, your production. There's some things that can change that. but um, Your faction v- buildings that you are playing are much stronger than the court buildings. Um, but what you end up having is 
you're building this and you have uh, there's a kind of a cardboard uh, rectangle in front of you uh, on the right side of that you play your core buildings on the left side of that you play your faction buildings the buildings fall into three categories the first is production okay that means every turn during the production phase you get resources uh, the resources are food uh, stone wood uh, workers and gold and uh, swords okay uh, there is then the next uh, level, so to speak, are your feature buildings. And the feature buildings are the power buildings in the game. These are the games that make each faction different and allow you to build your strategy and play your faction out. For example, I was the Egyptians. The Egyptians, their power comes from their gold. They make a lot of gold. They can do a lot of cool stuff with gold. So most of the feature buildings have something to do with gold. And then your final row are your action buildings. And those are buildings where you do something to get something else. Maybe you you use a worker and you get three wood or whatever. Or you can break rules or you can uh, get victory points. It's a victory point game at the end. So what happens is we start off with this draft. You do your production. At the end of each at the end of each round, and there's a five round game, all of your resources disappear, except one type of resource that each faction can hold on to. Uh, obviously, with just Egyptians, they can hoard gold. Other people can hoard different things. So you have a lot of decisions to make each turn. What buildings are you going to play? What order are you going to play those buildings in? How are you going to use your resources when you play buildings? They give you resources. You have all kinds of choices to make. Uh, when you get to the faction buildings, one interesting little twist on those is that the faction buildings often require what they call a foundation. And that basically means you have to sacrifice one of your core buildings in order to build your faction building. But the faction building is worth more victory points in the end, and it does really crazy cool stuff. Uh, so you have to decide, well, okay, which of these core buildings am I willing to get rid of? Uh, and finally, there's also a mechanic called raising. Uh, you use your sword uh, uh, resource to do that. Uh, for one sword, you can raise your own building. Ah, so uh, we're, we're going for an R-A-Z-E kind of raise. Yes, exactly. Um, so, uh, so say you have a card in your hand. Uh, maybe it's a farm, okay? And the farm takes three food to make, okay? And each turn it gives you two food. All right, I, I'm making this stuff up, but let's just say. Well, you think, wow, man, three food to put this thing down... Maybe it's toward the end of the game, so you're not even going to get back your investment. You have a choice. You could raise that building by using one sword, and maybe and uh, it will give you something. Maybe if you raise a farm, it'll give you wood and food right away. So now you can say, okay, I need wood and food this turn. I don't have time to build this building and let it get me back food in the future. I'm not worried about food in the future. I'm going to go ahead and just burn this thing down right now to get the resources that I need. You can also, using two sword, raise somebody else's building. So there is a bit of a, uh, a PvP kind of a vibe going here as well. So you might want to raise their building because you need the resources or because it's an awesome building that you don't want your opponent to have. Um, and so you use two swords to raise their building. Uh, and, uh, you play through five rounds. Whoever has the most victory points in the end wins. Uh, we talked a little bit about strategy and tactics earlier. Now, every faction has kind of built-in strategies based on what their strengths are, based on what their weaknesses are. You don't really have a lot of decision to make. Other than, I guess, what faction you choose. But the factions kind of play out the way they play out. They're built decks that are designed to to work certain ways. But you have a humongous degree 
of tactical decision to make every turn. I mean, you have to sit there and figure out, okay, should I do this building first? Should I do that building first? If I put this building, what if I activate this guy and then I can make this building happen? And then, uh, oh, then I could, oh, I, I want to build my faction building, but I need to use this building before. So I'm going to use this building then I'm going to build my faction building and use that building as the foundation and I'll raise this to get these resources so I can get this done there's a whole lot going on in this game and as you play buildings that have synergy together you can start to really uh, set up combinations that allow you to to rapidly accelerate in the victory points or uh in whatever it is that you're trying to, to build. Maybe you get tons of resources or whatever. Um, and so if you can figure out the board state, if you can control your board state, um, do things in the right order, uh, you will do well in this game. Um, it's really smartly made. Uh, it's cool looking. Uh, it's got an awesome little art style, kind of a cartoony almost like iPhone game kind of vibe, almost. And it's, for a game that seems really simple, you just get cards and build them, it's got a lot of depth to it. You know, it's one of those games that by turn two, you're like, oh man, I really like this. I want to play again, you know? So yeah, absolutely, everything you heard about it, I concur. Yeah, after Gen Con, pretty much every review site that I go to uh, when when gearing up to to do our podcast, man, everybody who played Imperial Settlers was just like, "This game is awesome, and you need to like get it now." Right. So, it, and it's at the moment it's expensive. It's hard to get. You, you know, it's on eBay for ninety bucks and stuff like that. Well, that's what happens when you get the new hotness. Right now, they say uh, it says right in the rules they're planning on putting out new factions, uh, but I w- don't think about it in terms of like a living card game. It's more like maybe Smash Up. Right. Where, you know, each deck in the game is kind of built for itself, and, uh, you know, you might buy new uh, factions, but they just add to the replayability of the game. They don't, they're not really expanding the game in, uh, in any significant way. Uh, you know, we played four players. Uh, it only plays four players. I think it'll be maybe a little bit better uh, when you, it could play a few more players. But that said, even though it's only five turns, it's actually a fairly long game to play. All right. <clears throat> so we find ourselves in that, that point in, in the episode where we're looking to kind of kind of make that transition into the deeper spiritual things. And something something kind of struck me when you were talking about Imperial Settlers. Just that idea, when you started talking about the decks and how they're constructed decks... And they're going to play out the way they play out. But there are lots of decisions based on what's in front of you. That, you know, you have to you know be in control of those things just to, to make sure that it kind of plays out the way you want it to. And, I don't know, for me, the, the, I don't know if it's just because I'm in the, the GSP mindset right now as we're recording... But this, the second you mentioned that, that idea of, of your construct, something constructed to play out a certain way, it's constructed to be a certain way, I just get this image of, of us and the idea that, you know, people are good at what they're good at. People are designed to be how they're designed to be. And either through experience or spiritual gifting or whatever, you can pretty much get what a person's like, what they're good at. And, you know, as, as people of faith, we'll say, you know, they're designed to be this way, to do this thing. God has set them for a purpose. But I love the fact that even in that situation, even in that, you, you know, we're not locked down in that. Don't be like, you must fit cog A into slot B. There are decisions. There are things that we can kind of be a part of as far as personality. And as far as talents, I've kind of been on the same train since at at the very least until I've been, you know, since I came to faith, 
you, I can kind of see, like, this is where the train's been going. But if you had told 17-year-old me that the ministry that I was going to have was not going to be in a church, I was going to work with churches, but it wasn't going to be in a church, and it was going to be about using board games to build communities within churches and neighborhoods and and bring people together over the table to show the love of God, I'd have laughed at you. I'd have been like, dude, that sounds hilarious, but no, I'm supposed to be doing this other thing. Well, I, I agree. Looking back, I can definitely see what God has done in my life, but I can also see what I did. Right. And, you know, I would kind of maybe describe it in three different ways. One is the idea of deck building. Anybody who's played a game where there's deck building, we've talked about, you know, you talked about wanting to do some deck building in Doomtown. Talked about Netrunner. Uh, Magic is, of course, the ultimate deck building game. But you were always trying to get the new card, get that new thing to make the perfect deck. And a lot of times in life we do that. We are trying to turn ourselves into the perfect deck. You know, we, we feel like we need the, maybe material goods, or maybe we need to have certain experiences, maybe we need to marry a certain person or, or do whatever to make our life whole, complete. We have the set. Well, you know what? In God's gaming economy, so to speak, there is no deck building. That's not our job. Right. It's God's job to build our deck. And the Bible says he did it while we were being knitted together in the womb, right? And so then there's another thing that we do uh, that I'm guilty of just as much as I'm guilty of trying to deck build my life. And that is playing like we all have the same deck. Right. You know, we don't. You know, if if, uh, you're playing Imperial Settlers and... You use the Egyptian strategy on the Japanese deck, you lose. And and nor is this a game of Ascension or or Dominion where you start out with the same cards. It, it's not. We are all given a unique, weird deck. Now, we come to those tactical decisions about how do we play our deck. Um, I've had a couple of situations over the last couple of weeks where I uh, I have been talking to other people who are pastors and they're asking for advice and each of those situations played out kind of the same type of problem and that was people were trying to live a life that was opposed to their design and what happens when you do that no matter how much you try to do the right thing, we act out. Sometimes unconsciously, sometimes we really don't mean to do it, but we do. Okay? We call that sin. Now, we're all going to sin. We all act out. But the more we try to fight against God's design for us, the more we try to reject God's design for us, the more we're going to find ourselves doing crazy stuff that really destroys our life. But if you're willing to say, okay, God, this is what you gave me. Sometimes I'm not happy about it. You know, but this is what you gave me and I'm going to use this. One, you're going to do better in life. You're going to follow his will better. You're going to be sinning less. You're going to be more effective in the kingdom of God. But two, you're going to be happier. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's really what it comes down to. Is if you embrace this thing that God has made you. You say, God, I trust the way you built my deck. I'm going to play it. I promise you, you're going to end up happier and healthier than if you said... I'm going to build my own deck, or I'm going to play this deck my way. I don't care how you built me. I'm going to do this. Well, you good luck with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could even use, you know, continue with the older game kind of illustrations here. Uh, I have been out of touch with magic for a while, so if I'm using terms that aren't even applicable anymore, I ask that you please bear with me. But back when I was playing... A, a common game type was to play what's called a burn deck. A burn deck pr- 
pretty much was all red. It was designed to pretty much burn your your opponent to the ground. Lots of direct damage. Lots of direct damage. Just I, I don't care what you throw on the field. It doesn't matter. I'm I'm out for blood, and I'm going to burn you. Now, what if you start out saying I'm building a burn deck, and you load it with giant uber creatures that will eat up all your mana? You can do it. There's nothing in rules that says you can't do it. There's there's nothing, no restriction on that deck building. But you are completely going against the purpose of that deck. The cards you're selecting are at odds and you will not succeed. However, if you look at, at the strategy and go, okay, this is what I want to accomplish... And you start looking through the cards and you go, all right, I'm going to put this in here because this is in line with what I want to do. I'm going to put this card in here because it does ridiculous direct damage right to the other the opposing player. That is putting yourself in line with the design of that deck. And you're right, Luke, it goes infinitely smoother. You can pull off, you can even pull off the occasional win with that other deck where things are at odds. But I promise you, as far as the long term goes, you gotta line yourself up with what you want your deck to do, otherwise it's going to fail. Well, and this is where faith comes in, and whereas believers, we have a real advantage in life. Because the thing is, is that life doesn't feel like a constructed deck. Life feels like a draft. Right? You're going through life, you're experiencing things, some things that you really want. Hey, alright, I want this card. Woo! Sometimes things that you're like, hey, that's what's left. <laughs> Yay! I, I got to pick last, and that's <laughs> what I have to choose from. Hooray! And this card doesn't make any sense. But as believers, we know that whatever we experience is part of our design. God meant it for a purpose. And that in the end, like you were talking about earlier, you look back on your life and see the track that God's laid for you. And what's amazing is God has this way of twisting space-time that when you look (laughs) back, the track looks awful straight. Didn't feel like it. (laughs) It didn't feel like it on the way. That's what faith is about. Trusting that no matter what cards come, or how many times have we say it every episode... How the dice fall. How the dice fall. That God's in control. And he's got a plan. And he's got a design for you. And as especially as young a young man. I'm not a young man anymore. I'm a medium man. A medium man. <laughs> especially as a young man. I didn't like the way uh, sometimes God was drawing for me. And I kind of told him that he was wrong a little bit. But Why did you turns put out that card I was. in the deck? Yeah, it turns out I was wrong. And, uh, you know, his design for my deck has worked out pretty good. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, first off, the fact that God has built me so that I can talk about him in terms of drafting mechanics... Yep. ...is weird. <laughs> but I'm okay with it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> So, folks, I, I, you know what we, uh, we, I do. We say it every week that God is the game master. God is the deck designer. God controls the dice. And as much as we say it, I gotta say sometimes I don't even believe it, but I try. And when I trust, life goes better. Amen to that. Well, and I wish that as believers we just talked about that a little bit more. You know. I'm not saying I'm a perfect guy, because I'm not. But you know, I live God's way. Bad things have happened to me, but I've got an amazing wife who loves me. I've got great kids. And sometimes, doing the right thing, living according to his will, has tangible, in-life, regular, common-sense rewards. And... So often as believers, we kind of, we, we poo-poo and, and, you know, you got to follow God's will and you'll have your reward in heaven. And you will. But if you 
play your deck according to his rules, according to his design, you also get in-game bonuses. You know, you don't have to wait until the end of the game. He, he gives you a more positive life now. Not always. Something like I said, bad things happen. But, in general, if you live according to his way, you're going to have a happier, healthier, wholer life. Speaking of making things whole, <laughs> you are working hard to make uh, life a little bit happier, a little bit healthier for some kids. Yep. So let's talk about how we're doing that. We've got some donations already. We do have some donations already. We are quickly approaching our first $100 donated. Uh, we The team is up to four of us now, but I'm still hoping that even when this goes live, we are still open for more team members. Because more team members means more people raising money for these kids. And I, I'd love it if we had, like a couple dozen team members because that just means that that many more people are bringing in that much more money uh, because at the end of the day we want to make it so that these kids can get the care that they need and you know the the hospital that we're supporting Children's Specialized does a really good job it's not like the hospital is falling down around them but here's the <laughs> but here's the deal these kids it costs a ridiculous amount of money and there are a lot of times when parents don't have that money and insurance doesn't cover it. And there's situations where, you know, you have to start wondering, okay, do we not eat so that Billy gets his treatment this month? And we want to make sure that that's not a thing and that that's never a thing. And so we're teaming up with Extra Life again. All the stuff... I've even made it so that when you go to the Inroad site, on the homepage, there's actually one of our little squares now that with a link directly to our, our Extra Life information. And you can go to our team page. I would say if, if you want to come play with us, whether directly in our location here in New Jersey or from wherever you are, click on the link for our team and click Join Our Team. If you're not up for playing for the 24 hours or any portion thereof, if you don't have the ability to, to get out and play, if you already have other plans, I'd really hope that you guys would be prayerfully considering supporting our team. Uh, the goal, as I said last time, the goal is for $1,500. That means either one kid gets two nights where he doesn't have to worry about paying for it, or two kids get one night each where the bill is already taken care of. And I every time I think about these kids not having to worry about, you know, what their parents have to go through to get this money, it takes a load off the kids, it takes a load off the parents, it takes a load off the hospital, because I know lots of people who work in hospitals, and there's never a one of them that says, oh good, we got rid of that guy. So many people can get helped by such little effort and we really hope that you guys will team up with us on this you know i just want to remind everybody that our goal this year is $1500 if everybody who's listening right now give a buck yep we'd blow that out of the water yep okay um, and you can you, you know it's not like you you know we're asking you for a $100 donation here uh if you hop online give a buck uh, support for five bucks if you can uh, and together we can make a difference we don't have to do it all by ourselves but we can do it together and and I will say I, I did do this uh, Luke and I were talking about what we could do to try and get people to join up and we bantered back and forth for a little bit and, and we came to one conclusion and that is that I have designed a t-shirt for the Inroads Regulars team now, I'm going to make this t-shirt available to people who are part of the team who want to get it, and they can pay me for it. However, I'm going to make the announcement right now that if you are a part of, and I mean signed up for, being part of the Inroads regulars team, I will give the, a, one of these t-shirts to whoever raises the most money, not including me. <laughs> so I 
probably by the by the time this goes live, I will post a picture of the of the t-shirt design uh, on the the post when this goes live. And uh, yeah, you will get a free t-shirt if you join the team and raise the most money before leading up to the event. Well, that is uh, an awesome thing that you did last year and you're doing this year. Uh, I, I find it incredibly unfortunate that uh, they do it on my daughter's birthday. But, yeah. um, you know, uh, I'll be there with you uh, in spirit and uh, we will get to play together tomorrow. Yeah, we will. And How cool is that? And hopefully you guys will be able to, to see the fruits of that gaming labor shortly after that. Short, maybe tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> after... You're tomorrow, not our tomorrow. Not our tomorrow. We're playing in our tomorrow. You're listening in your tomorrow. We're playing in our tomorrow. And they're not the same because the internet's crazy. Wibbly, wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. Timey-wimey. Timey-wimey. So, folks, uh, as always, we thank you so much for hanging out with us. Find out more. Go to inroadsministries.com. Hang out with us. Go to inroadsministry.com slash contact or look for The Tavern on Facebook. Uh, and as always, we remind you that God is the game master. No matter how the dice fall, no matter how the cards draft, the game plays 